If you haven't heard this before, I want to say it six times in a row. Pee after sex, 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 please pee after sex. The females should clean that part properly with using some lactacid. I'm sure it is easy for you to understand how important it is for your own sake to take treatment as soon as possible after your sexual intercourse. After cleanup, that does not mean that the intimacy has to be over. I think when we think about sex education, it's it's pretty narrow. Use a condom, SCDs, be safe, but it's it's a huge umbrella of things. And arming yourself with the right information will allow you to make those decisions. So in this season of Immigrant Leave, we've gotten vulnerable, intimate, and even a bit uncomfortable. But I know growth comes from being open in the face of discomfort and the guest we have today is another dive into that direction. A few weeks ago, we spoke with Anna Lee on sex as a taboo topic. For this episode, we'll talk about the most underrated aspect of sex. Hygiene. So our guest today is Frances Tang. She is the co-founder, CEO, and Captain Awkward of Awkward Essentials, an innovative personal hygiene company. Their most well-known product is called the Tripstick. Yeah, an interesting name, right? A post-sex cleanup tool that absorbs excess fluid left over from a partner. During her work in developing this product, Frances immediately became passionate about deconstructing taboo conversations about sex. And as is our mission here at Immigrantly, we are looking to do a deep dive and disrupt a few taboos as well. Please join me in welcoming Frances. Frances, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited. Thank you, Sadia. Excited to be here. So this season, we have talked about a lot of interesting things, including sex. Um, but to be honest, sex is one topic I am still getting comfortable with. And especially the stuff that we are going to talk about today, which is not so sexy, right? We are going to talk about cleanup. I am curious, Francis, how did you create a niche following for such an interesting product. Was there a market already for it or did you basically create one? Yeah. So when I was researching to try to figure out if there was a market, it was really hard to find any data or information hmm. on this particular topic because it's just something that people don't want to talk about, right? Like you said, sex in general is just so taboo in itself right. and people feel uncomfortable talking about like the pleasure aspect of sex that the aftermath like the uncomfortable or the sticky or just that is completely disregarded mm. everywhere in the media books tv porn like you never hear about it and so when i was doing my research i had to turn to some really weird places on the internet i had to like mm. push out my own surveys just to ask people and try to find people who would be willing to talk to me about it so were there people who were willing to talk yeah so two things that were actually really effective early on was i used reddit so on reddit mm. there's like 
a thread yeah. for every, like everything, anything you can think of, you can probably <laughs> find, um, a thread on Reddit. And so I looked at the threads where people were specifically talking about this problem. And then I also sent out a couple surveys and a few Facebook groups. So I think some of those Facebook groups, because they're closed and they're private, um, people were a little bit more comfortable either talking about it, or at least like clicking on my Google form to fill out a survey. Hmm. So are you the pioneer when it comes to this product? Can we call you that? I mean, as far as I know, so I created it because I couldn't find a solution that I liked personally, right? Like I, I'm married, I have a husband, I've been on birth control for a long time. And I just like the way that my body works, everything would just come out like overnight or the next day, or I'd be at work and it was, it was really uncomfortable. And so in trying to find a solution, typically the suggestion is like, use a towel or use an old t-shirt or like pee, but you know, it's a different hole than your, your <laughs> you can't really pee it out. You should pee anyways to avoid UTIs, but you can't really pee it out. And then on top of that, for me, I was like, well, okay, the issue is inside it's internal. It's not an external issue, at least for me, it's internal. So how can we solve the problem at the source? I like that. I know some people may think, you know what, it's not even an issue. It's just, you know, your bodily fluids, body emissions, natural. Why did you choose a product which was focused on post-sex cleanup? And are we, in a way, saying that sex is dirty? I mean, it doesn't bother a lot of people, and that's totally fine. Like, we... Sometimes we get DMs and people are like, oh, I, I like it or I like to feel it the next day or I don't have this problem. And we're like, that's great. Like, um, So you're not catering to them, right? Yeah, no, it's not something you need. And I think that there's this misconception that we are saying it's a product that you need, but it's, it's kind of like anything, right? Like if it's something that can help you or if it's something that bothers you, then cool, here's a solution. If not, then it's not a big deal. And I think that the proliferation of products for like women and vagina owners has kind of muddied that messaging where there's this assumption that because it's been created, companies are saying you need it, but you really don't. I like that. I like that approach. Yeah, it's a preference. I mean, it's the same thing as do you prefer to use tampons or menstrual cups, right? right. Like you don't need a menstrual cup, like you can use other methods. And so it's like really not any different than anything else. But I think there's been this, I don't know, this messaging that's kind of appeared that there's an insinuation that you do, but it's not the case. Talking about the product, Dripstick, and its design, you draw inspiration from an interesting place. Can you tell us the story? Yes. Yeah, so I have had a lot of jobs, and one of them is as a baker. I love baking. And so when I was cleaning up after sex, it got to the point where I would like jump in the shower and I would like stick my finger inside and kind of like swipe everything out with my finger. And so anytime I was baking and I was using like a rubber spatula to scrape cake batter out of a bowl and cake batter is very thick. I would think like, wow, it would be incredible to have a spatula for my vagina to just get it out in one fell swoop, like not have to deal with it. And so that was the inspiration. Our dripstick is not a spatula. It's a medical grade sponge <laughs> um, with a handle that absorbs semen pretty quickly, but that was the initial inspiration. 
I was doing research for this particular episode and I found out that your dad invested in your business. And I'm curious to know what was that dynamic like, like, you know, father-daughter relationship, especially when it comes to, you know, working together in a professional setting. Were there any challenges? Were there any unexpected wins? Yeah. So my dad is not an official investor, but he has been a huge supporter and advocate since the very beginning. And Hmm. my dad is also a founder. He's an entrepreneur. He's in a completely different space, like in the software space. Um, But in his mind, he's like, okay, Francis, you found a problem, you created a solution. And so now go solve that problem with a solution, right? He's thinking about it in a very entrepreneurial Entrepreneurial way like to him (laughs) the topic is it's whatever it's no big deal it's just like solution problem solution solve it build a business and that's strictly how he sees it and so I'm grateful he is not born here and so I can only imagine what some other parents would think even in this particular space in the femtech sex tech space um there's not a lot of asian people actually and i can imagine why why do you think that's the case i mean so i grew up in the bay area and i went to predominantly asian high school and so i mean a lot of the overarching pressure to go into a professional field was it was it was definitely there and i understand wanting your child to do something that it's supposedly very stable i mean it's risky right like starting a business is so risky it's very scary it's an emotional roller coaster for sure but the learning experience is incredible and i think absolutely worth it i think there's so many things that you learn along the way that you would never experience even like getting an mba right it makes a lot of sense with being an entrepreneur comes responsibility and especially for women we internalize a lot of i guess insecurities and we doubt ourselves a lot have you ever had imposter syndrome yes absolutely i it took so long for me to get this off the ground i mean i think even ideas that are seemingly simple it does take time but for me i needed i needed that validation i couldn't I didn't just think of this and say, oh, I'm going to turn this into a business. I'm going to raise money. Like I have never had that level of confidence (laughs) in my life. You know what, what I really like about your product and the journey you've had is that you identified a need for yourself and you created it, right? And that's why it probably works because it's in a way your own experience your own lived experience right that's what you're trying to solve for so absolutely I think the way this whole thing came about is so incredible but I want to talk about marketing so I have watched your TikTok videos which are very interesting and a few of them have gone viral and I can say this with 90% confidence that I will not look at Twinkies (laughs) in the same way ever again. (laughs) They don't taste the same as you remember, I promise. You're not missing out. (laughs) So tell me, what does marketing for such a specific niche product look like? So when I first practiced 
pitching this product, uh, it didn't really go well. I mean, it, it went off. It was awful, actually. People were deeply offended. They felt like I was accusing them of having sex, which isn't a bad oh, wow. thing. Um, <laughs> so really what the messaging shifted to was just like a personal story, right? Kind of like what I said to you, I'm married, I have a husband. This is something that bothers me. And so I created this. If you can use it, awesome. If it doesn't bother you, then that's cool. Like not a big deal. So really the whole brand and marketing wasn't, the intention wasn't to center it around my personal story or myself, mm. but I found, and our team has found that it's been a good way to kind of break that ice, right? Because yeah, because it's relatable, right? Yeah. Cause then someone who maybe doesn't want to raise their hand and say like, oh, I, this bothers me too, can just see us or like see our videos and say, oh, okay, this happens to her, that, that happens to me too. Or they could just say like, I don't understand. I don't know what her deal is, but I don't have this problem. And then they can move on. And so a lot of it is rooted in my personal story. And then we use humor a lot. I mean, it's a consumer product. It's not a medical product whatsoever. And so I do strongly believe that humor is one way to just kind of connect people. I mean, it's a weird, awkward topic. And so how else are you supposed to approach it? <laughs> I like that. I really like the idea. But I am curious if in the era of TikTok, Instagram, your marketing is different and maybe it's resonating more with folks. And I wonder if this product came out, say, in the 90s, how would marketing for the product at that time look like and what would be the outreach? I mean, I think even in the 90s, sex positivity was emerging, but it wasn't mm. as strong as it is now. So it could have, I mean, the timing probably would have been a little bit too early, to be completely yeah. honest. I mean, even now, you can look in our comment section and it's a dumpster fire. Like people have so many opinions and <laughs> they want to make it known. So we're kind of in this interesting time between... We're in this interesting intersection of sex positivity, but social media where everyone has an opinion and wants to comment and wants to contribute. It's, it comes with its upsides and its downsides. Hmm. Hmm. It makes sense. As women, it seems like we tend to take a lot of weight when it comes to anything sex related, right? Whether it's birth control, pregnancy, periods, what are your thoughts on how people who identify as women are more conscious of sex health or sex hygiene health versus folks who identify as male? I mean, I guess as it relates to our particular product, Dripstick, it's, it's more about like, hey, here's a solution for you so you don't have to deal with the mental load of like worrying about it the next day or going on a run. I mean, I can see how it can get very misconstrued, but a lot of people who identify as they don't have to do anything after sex. Right. Like they don't, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, right. Like regardless, we have to get up and go pee to avoid UTIs. Regardless, there is something that we typically have to do. And so if this can take that mental load off or make things a little bit easier even say for someone who has like a hysterectomy or a disability like there's all kinds of 
situations out there that I think we don't tend to think about if you don't fall into that particular scenario. Hmm. So at the beginning of the season, we spoke to Anna Lee. I love Anna. Who is the co-creator of Linus Vibrator. She talks about how the space, the sex toy space, is pretty much male-dominated. Did you see that in sex hygiene space as well, or your experience has been different? I think that we're pretty looped in into the femtech sex tech community. And so we know most of the female founders, but I do think previously in the past, like, yes, it was dominated by men, like many industries in general. (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes there is this assumption that this product was created by a man, uh, which is really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We hear that a lot. And I'm like, I don't. Do you have a story where somebody, you know, reached out and said something misogynist? I mean, you can look in our comments anywhere and you'll see like, this must have been created by a man, which is so funny because a lot of men don't even realize this is happening, right? So we've had a lot of men say like, oh, I didn't realize that was why she was in the bathroom. <laughs> like, when you never asked. Oh, like, yeah. it's it doesn't really cross their mind. Um, so it is a really interesting comment. And I think it's just someone that doesn't experience it, which is, that's totally fine. That's their personal experience. But I also think that is rooted in the fact that so many products previously were created by men. And so I understand where that hesitancy is from some consumers because just Mm. the space has been male dominated for such a long time. One of the most exciting ways to support us is by becoming a member of our Patreon. For the price of a milk tea boba, my favorite, you'll get special shout outs and automatic submission to our raffles and an opportunity to interact with our team. You can learn more at patreon.com forward slash immigrantly. Can't wait to see you there. Talking about men not being aware of what women go through, how important do you think is sex education when it comes to hygiene, when it comes to sex in general? It's so important. I mean, having arming yourself with the right information will allow you to make those decisions. And it's fascinating to see even our comment section, just the assumptions or what people are saying and the reflection of that lack of sex education. I think when we think about sex education, it's it's pretty narrow, especially, I mean, we're in the US, right? So you just think about like, use a condom, SCDs, be safe, but it's it's a huge umbrella of things and it relates to like all parts of your body. And so without that information, it's hard to make decisions. Let's talk about rituals that people, you know, practice before, during, after sex. Now, there are different things that people do. Are there any specific myths that you can debunk when it comes to post-sex cleanup or health? I mean, I think the biggest one for us is what you see in the movies. is not what actually <laughs> happens. Like, you can't just roll over and cuddle. It's uncomfortable I mean I guess if you're using a condom but he at least has to take the condom off but they don't show that either so (laughs) right like taking that condom off or like having to get up and go pee I mean I no one ever 
taught me that I needed to pee after sex. I remember when I had my first UTI, it was, it was awful. I was in college. I was in the second uh, like bunk bed. So I like slept on the top bunk and it was so bad. I had to like sleep on the floor because I had to keep running to the bathroom. It was awful, but like no one had ever told me or like given me that information. I wasn't taught it in sex ed. And so without knowing things like that, or even like seeing them happening in the media, like how are you supposed to know to do that? You know, it's so interesting you bring up media because um, among so many other things, media gets this wrong as well. It's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I think media tends to romanticize things. Um, yeah. Which is why we're a fan of humor and just that kind of honesty, because it's like some things aren't, it's not, our product isn't a pleasure product. It's very utilitarian. Mm. I mean, it's it's not that cute. Um, it's fun to talk about, but... It is cute, though. I have seen it. It looks like a paintbrush. <laughs> so what are the top three must-do practices for post-sex cleanup? So, I mean, I will say this again and again. Pee after sex to avoid UTIs. It's worth noting that pre-sex are products for people who aren't using condoms. So if you are with a partner you trust and you've both been tested, that's great, but definitely like get tested, know who you're sleeping with. I know that's pre-sex, but it's also very important um, right? because of the nature of our product. Like I said, it doesn't bother some people. And so everyone, and that's okay. And it's okay. Everyone has their different preferences and so if you're you pee you're good and you don't mind then there <laughs> isn't that much else you need to do I should have asked this in the beginning but I'm going to take a step back and talk about the name awkward essentials it's it's quite telling of what you do right so these are essentials but people do act awkward around them and they may be you know catering to awkward situations who came up with the name I did. Um, <laughs> so what was the thought process behind it? Uh, so it's really interesting. Initially, the name of the company was called Come and Gone um, because of the product. But I knew that eventually in the future, we wanted to have more products and we wanted to address other things. And so Awkward Essentials, it was like part of the tagline that I had came up with. And so we rebranded to Awkward Essentials and we wanted to pick a name for the product that was a little bit more timeless. I think come mm. and gone was really funny and we still own the domain names. If you go to comeandgone.com, any spelling, it'll go directly to our website. Um, but I ideally I'd like dripstick to become say the um, Kleenex of, of tissues or the like chapstick that. of lip balm. What other products can we expect from awkward essentials in the future? So we just released a second product. It's actually a disposable pee funnel. It's compact. It comes with toilet mm. paper and it comes in its own pouch. So I am one of those small bladdered people who always says to pee. And uh. so it's called Mainstream. Um, it's live on our website right now. We just launched it, I think like two weeks ago, one or two weeks ago. And um, yeah, it's, if, it's just so you don't have to sit down and pee. So if you're in a porta potty or like a sticky bar bathroom or a gas station ah. bathroom or if you're on a road trip something like that um so it's just another one of those weird things that I think we 
I guess we talk about peeing more than like after sex cleanup for sure. Cause right. girls are always like, I have to pee, but that's the second product that we have. I love it, Francis. As an entrepreneur, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs who may be listening to our conversation? The scariest thing is actually doing the thing. I think that like many others, I'm kind of a perfectionist, right? Like you want to do all your research, your due diligence, you want to get it right. You don't want to launch with something that you think is ugly, but you just have to. It's just by default, it's going to be ugly. And like, if I could show you the first website I ever put together for this, it was, it was awful, it was hideous. And I'm sure I might look back at this website in two years and think the same thing, but you really have to do the scary thing. Like it's a lot less scary trying to design a website or source or do research or talk to people. I think there's a balance between making smart decisions and doing your research and then actually taking action to make things happen. How helpful are accelerators? Do they add value to what you have created and do they give you the right tools I think everyone gets something different out of accelerators. So I did one called Grid 110 that was based in downtown LA. I think they actually might have a nationwide program now. And so my biggest takeaway was the pitch piece. So how to talk about it. So not necessarily the, the physical act of pitching was very important, but refining that pitch over time became the basis for the brand personality. So seeing the reaction from the audience when I initially pitched and used like statistics and it was like a regular pitch from when I eventually catered the pitch towards my personal story. And so that was my biggest takeaway for other people. It could be the network. It could be the actual information. It could be the mentors. I think it really depends on what you need most. In the end, Francis, this is something that I ask all my guests, and it's basically at the heart of Immigrantly itself. But I'll ask you to define America from an entrepreneurial perspective. As an entrepreneur, how would you define America in a word or a sentence? This is more than one word, but I, I don't think it's yet equal opportunity, especially as a female founder of color. I love it. That is so spot on. Thank you for those words of wisdom. And if people were to look for your product, is there a website? Where do people go? We are all over the internet. Our website is awkwardessentials.com. Our handle on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, everything except Twitter is at Awkward Essentials. Um, Twitter, we're at Awk Essentials because there's a character limit. But yeah. <laughs> um, we can be reached at any of those places like DM us, email us. Our email is hey at awkwardessentials.com. We have a chat bot. I mean, sometimes I'm on the chat bot. I'm happy to talk to anyone <laughs> who wants to reach out. And if there's any other founders that want to reach out, I'm happy to talk anytime. I think there's not a lot of us. And so if yeah. I can, there's a couple founders that were incredibly kind to me early on. And so if I can give mm. back, I'm happy to do so. Thank you so much. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
Guess what? This season, I decided to talk about topics that I've never, ever talked about. And post-sex cleanup is definitely one of those topics. So if you enjoyed this conversation, if it taught you something new, if you want to hear more conversations like this on Immigrantly, write to us. DM us. You can write to us at info at immigrantlypod.com. As our listeners, we appreciate your feedback. Every time you reach out, you have a comment, you have a suggestion. So make sure to write to us. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at immigrantlypod and on Twitter at immigrantly underscore pod. Until next time when we have another interesting, unusual conversation. Take care.